What is up, BHB family? This is Coach Coop, and I am actually sitting down right now with none other than JJ Virgin. JJ is a certified nutrition specialist, a board certified holistic nutrition practitioner, a certified exercise physiologist. Uh, JJ actually specializes in helping people age 40 and up for the most part, although she does help everyone uh, lose the weight and keep it off. So they look better, feel better than ever. JJ is actually a published author of multiple books, including a forthcoming one. Uh, JJ has been really doing this since the 80s. She was actually traveling around teaching aerobics. Uh, She was one of the first really well-known trainers out here in LA. Uh, And since then, not only has she evolved, but her understanding of health and nutrition has gone beyond the typical, oh, just vaguely eat clean or you know, watch your calories kind of stuff that was out there before. And today she's actually going to talk to us about how stress can impact your physique, uh, your health, how food intolerance could be holding you back, the importance of things like electrolytes, uh, cravings, and a whole lot more. I'm really looking forward to introducing you guys to her. I think you're going to love her and really, really, truly get a lot out of this episode. Also, this episode is brought to you by Real Ketones. Real Ketones are the pioneers in the exogenous ketone space. And for those of you who haven't tried exogenous ketones yet, uh, they are literally like the superfood of nutritional supplements. Their benefits include health and wellness, brain function and focus, anxiety and stress relief, uh, exercise uh, performance, energy, immunity. I mean, they, they the benefits just literally keep going and going and going. And part of that's because research is uncovering new ones all the time. So be sure to check them out at realketones.com. Uh, in addition to that, They're not just another nutritional supplement company. They also care. They want to make sure you guys get the results that you need. So when you go on there, you can also feel free to check out their plans, their guides, their articles, and a whole lot more. They're dedicated to making sure that you're not only getting success in the short term, but also able to successfully transition into a healthy lifestyle. Be sure to check them out at Real Ketones on all major social media platforms as well. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Good evening, everyone. This is Coach Matt, and you are listening to Better Health and Body Radio, your source for the latest and greatest information and understanding in the world of health, nutrition, and performance, where we give you a seat at the table next to the best and the brightest minds to arm you with the information you need to optimize yourself. Join us for another exciting, thought-provoking episode of BHB Radio, starting now. JJ, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time now. Um, oh boy, the pressure. I'm yeah, I'm really <laughs> I'm really buttering you up here. So the pressure oh my to perform, gosh. the hype is like Michael Jordan-esque. Man, I'm a little stressed now. <laughs> well, well, to put you at ease, let's 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 start with a softball question. Uh, how how did you get into to what you're doing for people who may not know? I've I've been into this since I was in my teens. So literally, like I think now I'm into like 40 years plus 
of being obsessed with health and nutrition. So I've seen a lot of different stuff, Matt, over the years. I mean, I was one of the first personal trainers. It was me, Body by Jake and Mark Sisson. Yeah. I started doing nutrition back when you had to be a dietitian in a hospital. Like who mm. wants to do that? It sounds no fun, uh, especially now. Um, so, you know, it's just been this process of, of creating what's ever next based on what people are asking for all, all in this bold desire to avoid having to work in an office with a job. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's why I tell people I'm like, you know, they ask what I do. And then I always finish it with just trying not to get a real job as long as yeah. I can. My mom's like, are you ever going to get a job with benefits? I'm like, mom, I have my own benefits. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. You know, right? there, there's yeah. definitely a trade-off there. Um, but you know, when you kind of line up with your purpose, it's like you, I don't know, like the risk, quote unquote, involved just seems so like a no brainer, you know, it's like you couldn't imagine any other way. I don't know. To me, the biggest risk is is doing something that doesn't make a difference in the world that you don't love and spending your life doing it. Exactly. Exactly. I think it, I think that's bad for your health. Uh, I think that ages you speaking of, you know, the topics we're going to talk about today. Yes. All uh, my favorite topics. <laughs> there you go. So uh, I, I did want to ask you, you you've got uh, quite a bit of material out there for people from an amazing website full of educational content, books, so on and so forth. Uh, specifically, you know, one that I think a lot of our audience is going to be drawn to is Warrior Mom. So I wanted to ask, you know, what inspired you to write that? And what is a Warrior Mom? Who is a Warrior That's, Mom? It's so funny that the book that when I went to sell it to the publishers, they're like, wait a minute you're a, you're a nutrition and fitness author. You don't talk about mindset. I'm like, I talk about mindset in every single book that I write, like every program, it's the start to see your future self. So, so that was kind of funny. Um, the book warrior mom, which by the way, started out, you can change book names if you want to, it started as miracle mindset. I republished it as warrior mom, because it really dawned on me that, and it could be warrior dad too, that everyone will relate to that once you have kids and you know that you will do whatever it takes to keep your kids healthy and safe. And so that book actually was inspired because when the Virgin Diet was coming out, I, my son Grant, who was 16, was in a very, very serious accident. In fact, so oh, serious no. that the doctors told us that we needed to let him go. Oh, and God. we overruled the doctors. He had a, he had a torn aorta. And if that isn't repaired right away, I mean, 90% of the people have a torn, torn aorta, for example, Princess Diana, they die on the scene. It mm. ruptures, they're done. Um, so his was hanging on by an onion skin it had to be repaired, but he also had multiple brain bleeds. He was in a deep, deep coma and the type of surgery he needed is super specialized. So he couldn't, we couldn't do it at the hospital he was at. And they kept saying, oh, he'll never survive the airlift to the next hospital. And even if he survived that, he wouldn't survive the surgery. And even if he survived that he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. I think any parent would be so offended. You know, I was like looking at the doctor, my 15 year old son, Bryce was like, well, maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And the doctor said, yes. And you know, he said, well, we'll take those odds. It's not zero zero here at this hospital. So that, that book was really written to show not, you know, what it took to get my son to survive. Um, because we didn't ultimately have any control over that. He did. He's better than before the accident, but really the mindset that it takes 
to stand up to challenges, which is never more important than right now. It's like, you know, the one thing we know for sure in life is that we are going to face challenges and a big differentiator between people who are successful. And I think when you win at life, it's like you get to live life on your terms with the people you want to live it with, making the impact you want to make. The people who are successful are those people who, um, you know, when things get hard, they double down. They don't wish it was easier. They make themselves stronger. They realize that they're never better than when they're challenged. And they have a mindset where they understand that the only limitations are the limitations in their mind and that they just keep monitoring and improving that mindset every single day as if it was a muscle so they can, they can pull through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now on that note too, um, you know, number one, I'm glad your son is okay now. I mean, most importantly. Oh, he's better, I, by the way, like better than before. So oh. it's possible. <laughs> well, you know, you know, that, that's so funny. It's like every time that we, we, we go through or grow through something, it always seems like, uh, you know, you might not be able to see the, the how or, or the, the what or the why and the light at the end of the tunnel, but it always seems like we're better on the other side of it somehow. You know, um, I know, but you sure can't see that. Like, I will tell you that when Grant got hit, I didn't go, wow, I'm going to become such a better person because of this. You know, I yeah. remember I was going through a real tough time and one of my family members was like, but you know, this will build character. I'm like, I don't want to have any better character at this point. It's strong. <laughs> it's good enough. You yeah. Know? But it is true. It's, it's hard to see in the middle of it. Um, and that's why managing your mindset is so important because it really like, that's the part of the outcome you can control when things feel so out of control. Got it. And I mean, so as far as crises go, I mean, that's an, easily an 11 out of 10 and then some. So what would you say to people who feel like they could never do what you did, who feel like they don't have what it takes to get through a major crisis in their lives and maybe one that's also impacting their health too? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, if I looked, if, if I had, if someone said, Hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to launch a book, the Virgin diet bedside with your son in a coma, and you're going to help him get to be 110%. I'd be like, yeah, right. Sure. I am. You know, it, it's easy to look at what someone else has done and go, I could never do that. It's amazing what you're capable of. Now, here's the thing. It's a way we view things that's going to make the difference. So let's say you're going through a challenging time. Every time you go through a challenging time, you get out of your comfort zone of what you know, of the known, the predictable, and you go into something unknown, scary that you don't think you really can do. When you go in there and you make it work, you make it happen, that comfort zone expands. Your, you know, what you believe you're capable of expands. The ultimate thing here is that truly the only limitations are the limitations in your mind, you're creating the limitations for yourself. So if you think you can't do it, you're right. But what if you thought you could, right? So this is the big push that we just have to keep doing is pushing ourselves beyond what we think is possible, continuing to you know, push those limits for ourselves and doing that on a regular basis. The good news for me was I had a mentor at 30 who trained me on mindset and by the time this crisis happened, I'd been through a lot of really um, traumatic experiences and tragedies. And so those trained me to be able to handle this because every time you go through a challenging situation and you get back up again, you get stronger and you get to the point where like now, you know, most of the things that, that come across my plate now that might 
absolutely floor somebody don't even register to me anymore because of how many challenging things I've gone through. Right. It's like going to the gym and lifting five pound weights and then 10 pound weights and 15 pound weights. And then all of a sudden you're like, those fifties are nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, they, they barely register when you ask someone to, someone asks you to maybe move a weight or move something in the house that like might've struggled, you struggled with before. I think that's a great analogy too, is, and I also think that both through health and then personal resolve, you can build up your stress, currency, reserves, tolerance, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, in, in the future, you're able to kind of remain calm in those moments. You know, it's, it's almost like you still feel the feelings and the emotions and the weight of it all. Um, but there's sort of a groundedness in that, you know, knowing that it's sort of like a wave that'll wash through and, you know, you have live enough life to know that everything that kind of happens to you, you, you have the opportunity to come out better from on the other side, if you just open up to it. Exactly. And you're like, I can get through this. I can get through this. And the other part of it is making sure that you have a group of people around you. You know, here's one of the things, Matt, I get asked all the time, how do I make sure that I don't regain my weight? How do I make sure that I, you know, I've gotten to this level of fitness, I stay here. The single easiest way for you to ensure that you stay where you are or continue to improve is to find fitter friends. So if you're going through those challenging times and maybe you tend to be negative, which you're fixing, just get around positive people. Right, right. Actually, that's great. I was gonna ask you next, like I do wanna to get to the virgin diet, you know, your, your next book, but I, I wanted to close, you know, warrior mom and the mindset talk out with, you know, just how do if people are listening and wondering how do they start, you know, what, what can they do to start changing their mindset today? And it sounds like surrounding yourself with the right tribe is part of that. It's definitely part of that. You are who you hang out with, you know, Jim Rohn said it, what, 40, 50 years ago, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Choose wisely when you hear that, right? So mm -hmm. hang out with negative people, you'll be negative and you manage your environment pay attention to what you listen to. That mentor at 30 was like, you know, it's, you are what you listen to. You are, you know, who you hang out with. You are what you read. So those are all things that you choose. So choose wisely on all of this stuff. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, now, so with regards to the virgin diet too, um, the title of that one is the virgin diet Drop seven pounds, excuse me, Drop seven foods, lose seven pounds, just seven days. Why food intolerance is the real cause of weight gain. That's actually a topic we haven't delved into too much on this show that I think a lot of people would find useful is, you know, what is food intolerance? Um, you know, how, how common is it? Oh my gosh, you guys have not talked about food intolerance, Matt? We, we've definitely talked about, food. I shouldn't say that. We've <laughs> talked about it in like a broad brushstroke way. We just haven't All like right. had like a full on someone who is, that was their specialty on here. Ah, let's go deep. So it's interesting, you know, um, this didn't start out as my specialty. I've always been obsessed with weight loss. What gets in the way of you losing weight or can cause you to gain weight? Like to me, that's so fascinating. And I was on Dr. Phil as his weight loss nutritionist for two years during his weight loss challenges. He had a, he had a book chapter that was weight loss resistance. I'm like, weight loss resistance. Ooh. And at the time, all he was talking about was insulin resistance. So, you know, what happens when you've got roller coaster blood sugar, your insulin receptors are desensitized. You've got higher insulin. You can't burn off fat. That was his whole thing. And I'm like, you know, I think it really goes past that, right? There's so many other things that could get in the way of you losing weight or cause you to gain weight. Fortunately, I had like a, a bunch of, um, 
test subjects because I had all these clients. So I was digging into all of this and, and I was also just researching like crazy. Now, one of the things I was also doing was going around training doctors how to use lab testing in their practices. And one of the labs I was using was a food sensitivity test. Mm. And so here's what happened. And this is, it's just so interesting. I would go in and teach them how to do that. We test their patients their patients would come in and they'd be complaining. Now we wanted to use this test so people would become compliant on their diet. I know that if you use a test and people see results they are way more compliant, right? So we were doing that to help people stay compliant on their diet. They were walking into these clinics complaining about um, headaches, fatigue, joint pain, skin problems, gas and bloating, inability to lose weight, food cravings, okay? We would run the test and the test took three weeks to get back. So at first we'd run the test, say bye, and they'd come back three uh. weeks later. And I started to notice something and I asked the lab director and I was, cause I had privy to it, tons of these tests. I'm like, you know, I'm seeing the same thing on these tests. The most common foods everyone seems to be reacting to are dairy and eggs. And then the second mm. tier are soy corn and peanuts. Now it's a different test to look at gluten which we were looking at too. And right. I was seeing a lot of gluten intolerance, which is a, an immune response. There's also celiac, which is of course a genetic response. So I was seeing that as well. Um, and so as I'm watching this, I kept thinking, you know, there was an elimination diet that's been used for decades, but it was so complicated. And I thought, why, like they've made it so complicated. I'm gonna simplify this because we've got three weeks that happens between the test. And we knew if people came back and they had, you know, even a couple of these showing up and most people seem to show up with, you know, eggs or dairy or both. They showed up with two to three of these. It meant that they had a leaky gut. This wasn't one of those types of, of allergies where you're sitting on a plane and someone opens the peanut, you know, container and, and the person has anaphylactic shock. This is a delayed food response where you start to have any of those symptoms I talked about anywhere from an hour to a day later. And the reason that it's so, you know, so missed is because it's delayed. So people have something and the next day they wake up and their joints hurt, you know, they had gluten at, at dinner, their joints are swollen the next morning. They don't think, oh, it's the gluten. They're going, why are my joints swollen today? You know, they don't connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what this looks like. And it happens because of something called leaky gut, your gut gets more permeable, which, you know, crazy enough, a lot of that's because of gluten, gluten causes the release of a protein called zonulin that makes your gut more permeable than it should be fructose, the most actually, you know, atherogenic sugar, most aging sugar, uh, that there is does this too. And then so do a lot of different pain medications, um, you know, disrupting your gut microbiome because of different medications, antibiotics, et cetera, GMO foods, artificial stuff can cause this problem too. And you couple that with people who are aging 35 plus under any kind of stress. So we've just pretty much named everybody now have lower stomach acid, maybe not digesting, breaking apart their food like they should, gets to the leaky gut, gets out into circulation, body goes, what is this? Launches an immune attack creates antibodies to glom onto the antigens, the proteins from these food. It's the proteins that are causing the problem here, creates immune complexes. And if it was something you ate every once in a while, no biggie, your body uses macrophages, eats it up, gets, spits it out. However, when you have a, it every day, even if it was a little bit like the cream in your coffee, your body then will build these immune complexes up and you'll have the headaches, the gas and bloating, it, it will land in places. So that's what it is. So 
you know, as I'm watching this, I go, all right, well, you know what? I'm seeing the same food showing up. We have three weeks in between when they get the test result back. Yeah, I think I'll just pull the, the foods out. Like we, they need something to do anyway, right? So they come in, they take the test. And I, instead of just dropping the foods, I swapped the foods because what I learned early on, Matt, is if I just told them to pull out gluten, eggs, dairy, corn, soy, peanuts, um, first of all, what they would do is eat a lot of sugar. That's why I added sugar and artificial sweeteners. Also because fructose, of course, makes the gut leaky. Sugar feeds bad bacteria in the gut microbiome. Artificial sweeteners disrupt the gut microbiome. So I pulled that out too, but I had to give them foods to eat. Now, 12 years ago, this was hard. There were not a lot of great options. Right. Nowadays, it's so much easier. I can't even believe it. It's just fantastic. I can easily tell them simple swaps for things like wheat tortillas or pasta you know, or cheese or, um, milks. So life has gotten a lot easier, but I would take it. I would take a symptoms check on all those things I talked about, take them, swap those foods, usually starting the day with a smoothie when they have started their day, right. Pushing that a little bit later, but send them off for three weeks. And what would happen is they'd come back three weeks later. And the first couple of days were always rough because if you have food sensitivities, you tend to crave the very foods that are hurting you. And so classically cheese, bread, they were like, I can't live without it. All right, you can get through it. It's just three days, four days. But by the end of the first week, the average person lost seven pounds because they were getting rid of a load of inflammation. But more importantly, they lost the cravings that were controlling them. And they started to feel so much better. And I always say people would come in because they wanted to lose weight, but then all of a sudden their joint pain went away, their headaches were gone, they had better focus, right? And they're like, I'm not, I don't want to touch that stuff. So they come back three weeks later and um, we'd have the test results. And then what I would do is if the test, if the food showed up on the test results, we'd keep that out for at least three months because sometimes you can heal the gut and they're able to eat these things, healthy versions of these things again. But what was interesting was I then would look at the other foods, like let's say that they showed up with eggs and dairy as a problem, um, but you know they weren't showing up with any issues with corn. We could challenge corn to see how they feel. But here's what I discovered with all of this is that let's say you pull these foods out and you go back and you challenge the foods one by one and you really check in with all those symptoms and you watch your weight because if you eat a food that doesn't work for you, you know how sometimes you'll eat something and your weight goes up like three pounds overnight. I don't know oh, if yeah. ever. Okay, you you're not eating that many calories. I mean, you'd have to eat basically ten thousand calories for your weight to go up. You know, three pounds overnight. So clearly, it's not a calorie gain. You know, a pounds gain. It's an infl inflammation gain, and that is when your food's not respond when your body's not responding well to something. So I kind of looked at this and went unless we're really looking for outliers beyond those seven, I don't really see the point of testing because isn't the best test how you feel when you eat something. If you eat gluten and your joints swell and your weight goes up three pounds, if you eat dairy and your face breaks out and you are congested, you know, if you eat eggs and you're exhausted and your autoimmune symptoms kick up, why do we need to test for that? So that is where that whole thing came from. And, you know, then it became the virgin diet which by the way, I really had to argue with my publisher to name it the Virgin Diet. <laughs> they, were, they were not keen on that. Yeah, people who might not know your last name, they're like, yeah, huh? they're like is... we don't know about that. I'm like, it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, that that's awesome. That was a load of useful information there. I mean, one thing that I love the most, 
one of the things I love the most was that you said, I don't, we don't drop it, we swap it. And so you give them direction on something that's suitable as a replacement so they don't end up further down that pipeline. I also find it interesting how you said that there are certain foods that you don't necessarily have to say, look, I have an allergy to this, like a peanut allergy. I got to avoid it forever. It's not like that. Um, I know people in the, uh, you know, uh, like Dr. Ray Pete, for example, he'll talk about how some allergies to foods that maybe your average person might not be as sensitive to, like um, let's say a, a grass-fed butter or something like that, like an easier to process dairy. He'll, he'll, he'll talk about how sometimes it's because of a lack of total energy availability in the system, you know, uh, lack of energy in the mitochondria to, 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 to be as resilient to that stress or insult to the body. Um, so I, I find that interesting too, how, how some of our intolerances are not our destiny. Right. Oh, they should, they don't, and this doesn't need to be forever. This needs to be now, you know, cool the flame, calm everything down. Like one of the things that happens in three weeks is people start to feel what feeling good really feels like. Like they, they establish, mm -hmm. I don't want to say the new normal. Cause I don't know about you, but if I hear new normal one more time, I'm going to like bang my head against the yeah, desk. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, they find out what feeling good really feels like. Right. And then we're going to heal. And so a big part of this program is what are the healing foods that can reduce inflammation, that can start to heal that gut, that can start to make you, you know, how can we put some autophagy in there so we can get rid of the cellular debris, all those things, because you're right, you know, right now, if someone's having a food intolerance, it could be any variety of things. It could be due to stress, lowering stomach acids, making their, their, you know, their gut leakier. It could be due to the GMOs. It could be due to pesticides. It could be due to, they have a too much of a toxic burden. There's so many different factors at play. And honestly, you know, you never want to scare people off, but gosh, when you really start to dig into the food supply and the stress and the toxins, it's like, it's, it's just a mess. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one kind of thing that's ubiquitous across all, all of your books is avoiding some of those stress causing or inflammation causing foods. Speaking of that, you know, you've, you, I, I read an article of yours, and I know you have a book on this too, talking about almost like a, an on-ramp into healthier eating, right? So some people might go for a, a traditional, orthodox, strict, whatever you want to call it, ketogenic diet right away. What I like about your approach is that you're very flexible with everything. And, uh, you know, with your sugar impact diet, you talk about how, you know, a, a natural sugar that you might find in fruit, there's a distinction between uh, that and maybe table sugar and some of these other, some of these other things as well. So uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you recommend if people are thinking about trying a ketogenic diet that they first start by trying your sugar impact diet as kind of an on-ramp to that to see how they do and, and maybe see if that's the main thing that they need in order to kind of shift into burning more fat? Yeah, I do not believe in going straight into a ketogenic diet or straight into intermittent fasting. So to me, that's like you say, you know, I want to run a marathon and you just sign up for one and go run it. And you didn't train for it. Like if you were a couch potato and you're going to run a marathon, you would start by going walking and then you'd add some jogging and that, you know what I mean? You'd move into it. So I view the same thing here. I wrote the sugar impact diet because I had so many questions about sugar after I wrote the virgin diet. And it seemed like people were either in one or two camps or both. They were either confused. They were like, oh, but it's all natural. It's honey, you know, <laughs> it's fruit juice, right? Or they were just, they're like, I can't give it up. I just can't. 
And so I thought, you know, we've been looking at sugar all wrong. And I was really wanting to dig into why cannot, can, why are people controlled by sugar? Why can't they give it up? And as I started to dig into this, I went, wow, there's so many factors at play. And the reason I think people haven't been able to be successful in getting sugar out of their diet is because they tried to quit cold turkey. Now I view that as also like, let's just go do a ketogenic diet. Let's just go do this stuff. Sure. You could do that. Um, and maybe you need to just go somewhere where they lock you up for a bit so that you <laughs> suffer and you're you know, <laughs> right. I mean, but there's an easier way to do it. That's going to make it probably elevate your opportunity for success. And that is stepping into it. And so what I look at is, you know, I think we've been looking at sugar all wrong and it's not about eating no sugar because when you think about it, all carbohydrates, except for fiber turn to sugar, right. it's a difference between whether you're mainlining it. That would be like, you know, eating things like, um, cocoa puffs or some <laughs> or pop tarts or, uh, fruit juice, whether you're mainlining it like that, or you're making it slowly from foods you eat like broccoli, Brussels sprouts. I literally, Matt, I once had a client who could not lose weight, went to the doctor. The doctor said, you know, calories in calories out. It doesn't matter if you're eating broccoli or pop tarts. And I think that is the dumbest thing I've <laughs> ever heard, you know, well, like, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So you know, when I look at this, I think there's a couple things that we have to do. Number one, we have to help shift people's taste buds. So why are people craving sugar? Well, some of it is because they train their body to be a sugar burner, not a fat burner. So now they're reliant on incoming carbs all day long. They can't go more than two to three hours between meals, which is still this weird diet philosophy out there is that we should be snacking to keep our blood sugar stable. Well, it doesn't keep your blood sugar stable. It drives your blood sugar up, which drives your insulin up. And, and eating all throughout the day, your insulin never has time to recover. So now you're inflamed. And when insulin stays high, you lock the doors to the fat cells. So you cannot burn stored fat for fuel. So that is silly, silly. Really what we want to be able to do is go four to six hours between meals. We want to go overnight, be able to go 12 to 16 hours without getting mean. We want to be able to miss a meal with, and go, oh, did I eat? I forgot to eat lunch, right? You want to be able to burn sugar, but you also want to be able to burn ketones and you want to be able to burn fat. And that does not happen overnight. If you've been eating, if you're a sugar burner right now, eating every couple hours, if carbs are sneaking in and probably are, and you're not even aware of all the crazy places they're sneaking in, right? And you know, you can't lose weight off your waist. It's so much easier to taper down the sugar impact and then transition so that you can easily move into a ketogenic diet into intermittent fasting. So this looks like this. Number one, you check in with, you know, where are you now? Where's your waist to hip measurement? Where's your body fat at? What's your energy like? What's your blood sugar like? How many carbs are sneaking in? I have people take a, a sneaky sugar inventory because people don't realize you know, some of the stuff they're putting in like marinara sauce, if you're not reading the labels can have more sugar than Oreo cookies, you know, all these I'm being good and having a salad. And they had raspberry vinaigrette and glazed pecans and dried fruit. They had a Sunday. That was not a salad. They had like five <laughs> calories of lettuce, you know, salad. right. And 300 calories of sugar. You might as well just have gone to Baskin Robbins. Um, so we check in with all of that first. And the first thing I have people do over a week is number one, eat by the plate. If every time you're eating, you're getting clean protein, healthy fats and fiber from lots of non-starchy vegetables, a little bit of slow, low carbs, 
you're getting really good blood sugar balance from that. And the protein and the fiber slow down stomach emptying, keep ghrelin suppressed. So you're feeling fuller longer. The fat's triggering the release of neuropeptides tell, tell your brain you're full. So you're having, um, you know, this slow blood sugar rise instead of a big jack up that raises your insulin. You've got that control. Then you start getting a lot of fluids in between meals. So you're, you know, quite often we're not hungry. We're thirsty, right? You're doing um, more sour um, types of things because sour takes your sweet tooth away. And the first week I have people take from high sugar impact foods to medium sugar impact foods. So they're doing some simple things. Like if you were drinking juice, you're having, you're eating a piece of fruit instead, right? So if you're doing dried fruit, you're having, you're having whole fruit. So simple little things like that. If you're having white bread, you know, switch over to a sourdough bread. So simple things that lower your sugar impact, but you're eating by the plate and you're kicking out the snacks and you're getting yourself a 12 hour overnight fast. That's the first week. Then the second week for two weeks, I drop fructose down to as close to zero as possible. We take out all fruit except for tomatoes, lemons, and limes. And because fructose, the more you eat it, the better your body gets at transporting it straight to the liver. And if there's not space there to convert it from fructose to glucose to glycogen and store it as energy, it gets stored as fat. And you know what? Just assume it gets stored as fat. I would say glucose, glucose gives you full fuel and fructose makes you fat. Um, and along the way, it creates insulin resistance, raises triglycerides. In fact, if you want to induce hypertension in lab rats, you give them a lot of fructose. So this idea that you're having that great green drink, thinking you're doing something good for yourself. Well, if it was the a lot of the green drinks at the store, there's one brand that in 16 ounces is 44 grams of sugar. Why? Because wow. it's a green colored drink. And yes, there are greens in it, but the predominant juices in it are pineapple and apple. Apple juice is more fructose than high fructose corn syrup than, than a Coke. So wow. yeah, crazy. So during those two weeks, we're retraining your taste buds to appreciate spicy, sour, savvy, savory, umami, salty. We are getting you to do, put in some intermittent fasting, shorten that um, feeding window. We're doing some caloric variability. We're getting your body to be able to start using fat for fuel. So you'll know you can do this because you know, you can go four to six hours between a meal. You can wake up and not have to eat right away. And, and we're teaching you that if you're a little hungry, it's okay. Like I, I remember like 20, 30 years ago, Matt, we were trained in school, never let your client get hungry. They need to snack all throughout the day. I'm like, what? Like, why? You know, if they get hungry, then they'll go out of control, and they'll. And I'm like, this is so crazy. We need to <laughs> go on a rampage, <laughs> right? And Joel Kahn had this great saying: "Hungry equals younger." It's like it's okay to be a little hungry. It's okay. It, uh, Five thousand years ago, we got hungry. We should be getting hungry. You should know what real hunger feels like because, and it goes in waves. By the way, so you're hungry, you have some fluid go walk away, it'll go away. So that's the next two weeks is getting that fructose down. And then you go back and you start to check in and eat, you know, different levels of sugar impact food. I have them rated as green, yellow, red to see where you feel good. I mean, how's your weight? Like what I want to get people to think of is use diets therapeutically. You know, the, there was a cool um, survey that was done in the UK and they found that the average person stays on a diet for five weeks, two days, in 43 minutes, which I was like, that's very specific. Um, <laughs> but all of my programs are written and they've always been this way where you are your own nutritionist. 
you are going through a process where you're really kind of detoxing and resetting to find what feeling good feels like. And at that point, you can start to connect the dots. I think of it as, is really activating that intuitive GPS. You know, they talk about intuitive eating and I'm like, well, if you're eating sugar and gluten and dairy, don't think you can intuitively eat because you've got food cravings that are going to, that you'll think, oh, intuitively, I need to have that cake. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> That's your gut microbiome right. misbehaving. Right. So at that point, you can start to really listen in. And then you're at a place where you can connect the dots and go, wow, you know, when I eat this, I don't feel good. This crap crashes my energy. You know, when I push breakfast to a little later in the day, I feel better. I can do a fasted workout in the morning and man, I, my energy is so much better when I stop eating. I know like one of the worst things for me is if I eat after seven o'clock at night, I like to eat around, you know, five, six, I'm thinking, gosh, I'm like, you know, the blue hair special now, but man, when you eat after seven, eight o'clock at night, it is really challenging sleeping. I track my sleep with an aura ring and you can totally tell. <laughs> that you messed yourself yeah. up. Yeah, I've actually, I've gone back and forth on that one in the past. And more recently, I've come to realize that it, you know, it, it, it does make a difference. Absolutely. I think, you know, um, sp speaking of this too, so you talked about, you know, bridging into things like potentially like a little bit of fasting, keto. What I really appreciate about your approach is that it's flexible. You talk about kind of like another another nutrition consultant, um, Danny Roddy. He talks about nutrition being this ever evolving in your health habits, your lifestyle being this ever evolving thing that's kind of like building a quilt over time. Uh, one thing I think that's very interesting is you know once you get into kind of a little bit more of a fat burning mode, you know one of the benefits is having ketones in your system. So I was curious, uh, you know, for for me, for example, like we've heard a lot of the benefits of having ketones in your system. Uh, like energy, uh, metabolic health, so, you know, brain and cognition, so on and so forth. For me, the, one of the biggest surprising ones was that, you know, and they just did a study on this, that it actually can reduce anxiety by as much as 40% too. So I was curious if you had maybe a, either your favorite and or a surprising benefit of, you know, having key, the presence of ketones in your system. Well, I have something that's really um, different probably because of my experience with my son. So when you have a traumatic brain injury, one of the challenges is your brain doesn't get the energy it needs because glucose is having trouble getting across the blood brain barrier, but ketones are, they're able to. So one of it, and one of the other things that happens when you have a traumatic brain injury is that you've got a shaggy brain where your brain now you have a higher risk of having seizures. And as we know, you know, before we had any anti-seizure medication, we had the ketogenic diet. I mean, you know, thousand plus years ago. So that's why I always laugh when people go, ketogenic diet's a fad. I'm like, this has been around for yeah. centuries. Yeah, but, fads that last since, you know, the early 1900s, sure. Right. I mean, it's just like, let's, again, let's look at why we're using these things. Um, so those are where I see it's interesting is like in the case of brain injuries, man, this is a really important therapy. And in the case of seizures, the thing to look at is, you know, it can also be, so I always look at the other side of these things too, is, is it's not always, while it might help with anxiety and that's cool that study said it, it also can have an issue with, especially I see this more in women who are stressed that it can actually create more problems for them. So I think mm -hmm. with all of these things, 
they're all tools. And that's how we have to look at these. One of the things I wonder about is, is do diet authors write books that are the book that worked for them? And then they think it'll work for everybody else. Yep. And, you know, we all have our hammer and nail, right? And so, you know, there, there are so many tools and that's the way I think we need to look at these things. If you're having gut issues, if you're having autoimmune issues, hey, you know, figure out your food intolerances. Let's look at that. Let's heal your leaky gut. Let's balance your microbiome. If you're having unstable blood sugar, if you've got issues with any um, cholesterol issues, pre-diabetes, any of that, hey, lower your sugar impact. Let's figure out what's working there and then go in and trial ketogenic diet. You know, right. um, so let's look at what's the right thing for you at the time, because of yes. course things things differ. And so a ketogenic diet, like, you know, you're pre-diabetic, you're not able to lose weight, go through virgin diet or sugar impact diet, start trialing out a ketogenic diet and see how that works for you. It may be the perfect answer. It may be a perfect answer for a specific period of time. I like cycling these things. Like I'm not a fan of a long-term unless you've got seizures, um, a ketogenic diet. But I also think most of the time we go through a diet, we connect the dots at the end. We figure out what worked well for us. Like, what did we learn here? And then we bring that into our daily eating plan. We stabilize. And then when we look at where our next goals are, then we look at what diet might get us there. Maybe the next goals have to do with stress and meditation or exercise or whatever, you know, focus on one thing at a time. I love the book Gary Keller wrote the one thing, look at your health as a continuous journey. And that we have so many tools. We have all these different dietary tools. I mean, we've got fasting and intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets and, um, you know, the autoimmune protocol. I mean, there's tons of really amazing diets out there that you can trial to see what you can bring into your daily life, all sorts of different exercise tools and meditation and life, you know, stress tools. So one thing at a time based on what's the big priority in your health and then go on to the next. Yeah, I, I really like that. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of just the simple Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson quote about choosing principles over methods. And there may be a, a method or a tool, you know, like a hammer that you use for a period of time, you know, uh, diet wise. And then from there, you might borrow some principles in that. Uh, and, and it's almost like you're using more of a, a chisel in the big picture, even if now and then you have to bring out a hammer or a saw or something that's a little bit more black and white. Um, mm -hmm. One other thing that I, I wanted to, to bring up too, I want to be respectful of your time here, is I think something that sort of gets lost on a micronutrient level when people you know, start to eat healthy is things like salt and electrolytes wind up getting demonized. In your opinion, you know, how important are electrolytes and what are some of the benefits? Well, I just invested in um, Element. <laughs> so that's the uh, electrolyte drink that they, yeah. the whole theme is get salty. So, um, you know, here's the thing, like it is just crazy how salt has been like sea salt and salt are not the same thing. Table salt is junk. Table salt is the white bread of, you know, sea of salt. Sea salt is a nutrient. It's therapeutic. It's got so many great things in it. So for the last I think 15 years, I've been having people add sea salt, especially if they have any adrenal issues. I remember 20, 30 years ago, it was like, oh, anyone with high blood pressure, it's sodium, you know? And it's like, 
like, okay, not in most cases, it's probably more insulin resistance and inflammation causing problems. But I think we've got to get really clear. I think the public gets confused between salt, sodium from things like, you know, crappy, dirty processed foods and clean sea salt and all that it has to offer. Yeah. So especially with adrenal issues, man, it can be, it can be a game changer for you. So that might be, if you are, I happen to, I just found hot yoga. I don't know where it's, where I've been. Like, I don't know if you've done this before. Um, but once, I think I, once or twice I've done yoga for sure, but only hot a couple of times. So I went, I, I mistakenly booked my husband and I into a class, not knowing it's hot <laughs> yoga. And we walk in and we're like, I'm looking at him. Like, I need to get out of here. And he's like, sit down, you know? And it was not only was it hot yoga, it was packed hot yoga. It was like, you know, sardines in a can hot yoga. But after we did that, I went, holy smokes, I need to do this more often. I mean, we use a sunlight and sauna at home, but boy, when you can, when you can sweat, it's so important, such great detoxifying and then sweat and replace with something good, like element, like some um, great electrolytes, super key, important. And remember, um, yes, we should be drinking lots of pure spring water. So important for detoxification, but even slight dehydration, like 1% raises stress hormones. So yeah, this is very right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so wild to me. And also just I, I, I've read a lot more recently on I mean, I, I already was a big believer in electrolytes and salt, but I, I hadn't really connected the dots on the adrenal or stress stress response time and how important sodium is to really just quieting a lot of the stress hormones in the body. So I, I appreciate you uh, uh, elaborating on that. Yes. And I mean, I think this past year, like we should all probably get our adrenals tested because if you were not <laughs> actively right, I mean, if you were focusing on the news and staying in the house and, you know, not actively working against this one, you've got some stress in you. So, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, something to be proactive about for sure. And now, you know, I want to be, again, you've, you've been great. This has been an amazing interview. Uh, been a, there's been a ton of nuggets for people to take away. If someone wants to learn more, they maybe want to read one of your books, check out, um, you know, some of your latest and greatest information too, where can they do that? Easiest is to go to my website, jjvirgin.com. jjvirgin.com. Cool. And how about social media too? Social media, jj.virgin on Instagram. We are, um, and then I have a podcast that is ask the health expert. We're actually changing the name again. Do you know, you can change the name of your podcast as much as you want. So I'm changing it to what my <laughs> new book will be JJ Virgin anti-diet. And then, um, we are rebuilding my YouTube channel. So depending on when you're listening to this, it may be, it may be up there and redoing because we start new videos every, every twice a week here, starting in October. And then um, I'm also have Pinterest. I have a free Facebook group, a JJ Virgin lifestyle community. So awesome. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Oh, and medium. We write medium articles every week too. Oh, that's great. I read those. Uh, perfect. I'll link to some of these, uh, all these actually in the show notes. And then maybe we could have you again uh, on sometime in the future when the anti-diet comes out. Love to for sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, JJ. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this one. I am very thankful to have had JJ on EHB Radio, and I will see you guys next time.